0: Joey of the Chalet School chapter seven. Rufus is adopted. Girls said Miss Betney in a worried tone as she came into the big classroom early on the following Saturday, have you any idea where Joey is? The fourteen people variously employed in the room at that moment looked up in surprise at her question. They had supposed, those of them who had thought about it at all, that Joey was either practicing or else in the little form room, struggling with her editorial. For the past week, in fact, ever since the preceding Saturday, she had thought of little else. She had managed to control herself during lessons, her sister's threat of putting a stop to the whole thing, having settled that. But out of them, she thought, talked, and the others declared dreamed magazine. "'Is she not in the little room, madame?' asked Gisla. "'No, I've looked there. She isn't practicing. "'She's not in her cubicle. "'She seems to be nowhere in the house. "'Have any of you any idea of her whereabouts?' "'Perhaps she's over at Le Petit Chalet,' suggested Grizel. "'She did say something at meal "'about finding a quiet place to write her editorial.' "'But Miss Vettany shook her head. "'No, she isn't there either.' I knew she wanted a quiet spot because she told me so herself. That's why I came here last. Don't any of you know where she might be?' "'Nobody did.' "'Who is practicing?' asked the head. Gisla glanced at her nearby sheet. Simone, Vanna, and Marie.' She replied, Simone might know, perhaps.' "'Grizel, please go and fetch Simone here,' said Miss Bettany. It really is extraordinary. Where can Joey be? You're all sure you haven't seen her? No one had. And just then Grizel returned, bringing Simone with her. Simone looked badly scared, for Grizel had simply said, You're to come to the schoolroom. Madame wants you, and left at that. Miss Bettany nearly laughed at her big startled eyes, for she looked all eyes. As it was, she merely said, Simone— "'Have you any idea where Joey is?' Simone was very upset and spoke in French that she had no idea and had only seen her in the morning. "'Has anyone else since nine this morning seen her?' "'No, no one had. "'They had school prayers as usual at nine o'clock, "'and since then Miss Joey seemed to have vanished. "'Perhaps the gypsies have taken her away.' suggested Simone. Nonsense, Simone, Miss Betney spoke sharply. It's the last thing that the gypsies would like to do. They have children enough of their own. Please try to control your imagination and don't make silly suggestions. Has she perhaps gone to the Tortswald? This was Gisela. Did she say anything about going? demanded Miss Betney. No, madame, indeed. I thought her here with us as- till you asked us. "'Have the others heard of her speak of it?' "'No, madame,' they chorused. "'Shall we look everywhere for her once again?' proposed Bernhilda. Miss Bettany assented. "'Yes, you might do that. Two of you go to the chalet, please, and the rest of you hunt through the house. Please report to me in the study when you have finished. If you find her before that, send her here immediately.' With this she withdrew, and the girls started their search. Giesle and Hilda went over to La Petite Chalet, and Juliet and Grizel tackled the dormitories. The others hunted all over the lower part of the house. They divided into the stationary cupboard. They looked behind the book lockers and moved all the desks, though how they thought even Robin, much less Joey, could have hidden in them was beyond anyone with any common sense. "'They peered under the table in the spisal "'and took down every coat hanging up in the cloakroom. "'They invaded the kitchen to Marie's disgust "'and insisted on opening every single cupboard "'and poking about it. "'Margia Stevens even peeped inquiringly "'into the great jar where the flour was kept. "'Needless to to state, no Joe was there. "'Simone climbed on the music-stool,' And looked down into the piano undeterred by bets suggesting that thin as Joey Betany was, she was not thin enough to be there when Finally they had driven nearly everyone distracted, and Simone and two or three of the babies were quite convinced that something awful must have happened to their missing friend, and had accordingly dissolved into tears. They went to inform Miss Bettany that, wherever else her sister might be, she was not in the lower part of the house. At the study door, they met Grizel and Juliet, bound on the same errand. And ten minutes later, Gisela and Bernhilda came back from the petit chalet, knowing as much of Joey's whereabouts as they did. No one seemed to have seen anything of her since prayers that morning, and she had certainly not been over to the junior's quarters. A kind of eloquent silence fell on the school after Gisela had finished speaking. Even Simone choked down her sobs. The general attitude was one of surprise. Had it been Griselle, who could be thoroughly wrong-headed when she chose, or Simone, who was quite famous for doing silly things, it would not have come with quite such a shock. But Joey was such a level-headed young person as a rule, mademoiselle, who came fussing over from La Petit Chalet, said as much to Miss Bettany, who was standing looking thoroughly puzzled and worried. "'Joey has common sense,' cried the French woman in her own tongue. "'She will not have run to climb mountains or cut off her hair.' Grizel and Simone both went crimson at this allusion to their exploits of the previous term." They felt that mademoiselle was not playing fair in raking up past events, and their faces said as much. "'Can she have gone to the Tortswald?' pondered Miss Bettany aloud. Mademoiselle glanced out of the window. "'But regardez the rain, mon cher! It pours like a torrent!' "'I can't imagine her doing such a thing without telling me first. went on her sister. "'Still, she might have done so.' "'or she may have gone to visit her friends.' "'She turned to Gisla. Gisla, please telephone the hotel "'and see if she might be visiting your cousins.' "'Gisela went off to telephone, "'but presently returned, "'saying that nobody had seen Joey that day.' "'Miss Bettany frowned as she turned away "'after thanking the head girl. "'It was so totally unlike Joey "'to go off by herself in this fashion. "'She was a gregarious little soul "'and was generally found with crowds.' Where she could be now was a mystery, and the girls, streamed back to their own quarters, were thoroughly confused. Some of them inclined to Simone's suggestion that the gypsies had carried her off. The others declared that she must have gone for a stroll somewhere. But it isn't of weather for strolling, Grizel pointed out with eloquent wave of her hand towards the window, the rain simply emptying down. "'Just look at it.' "'Well, anyway, there's no truth to that idiotic idea about the gypsies,' declared Juliet. "'I think you ought to be ashamed of yourself for saying anything about it, Simone, especially without any facts. Madame's worried enough without you suggesting such ghastly things.' "'I—I I didn't!' I sobbed Simone in her own language. "'I love, madame!' "'It looks like it, I must say,' retorted Juliet grimly. "'Well, Robin, what do you want?' "'Robin, who had been tugging at her sleeve, said, "'I don't think you ought to speak so unkindly to Simone, Julie, "'her name for Juliet. "'I think also that Zoe is with Egan.' "'Egan?' "'The big girls crowded round her at once. "'But why do you think that, Robin?' asked Gisla. "'Egan isn't here,' returned the mite." He was talking this morning with Zoe, and perhaps they went somewhere. Come and tell Madame, said Gisla. She will like to know. Accordingly, as Madge Betney was pacing up and down her study, trying to puzzle out where Joey could have gone, she heard a tap at her door, and then the head girl and the school baby entered. Robin thinks Joey may be with Marie's little brother Egan. "'explained Gisela as she made her little curtsey. "'The head start, stared at her. "'Joey with Egan? But why?' "'She was talking with Egan this morning, madame,' said Robin in her pretty French. "'Miss Bettany sat down and held out her hand. "'Come here, little. "'Now tell me just what you saw Joey and Egan together.' And Robin leaned up against her knee and looked up at her with confident brown eyes. It was when we came from La Petite Chalet, madame. They were standing by the stationary cupboard, and Zoë, she still could not manage to say the J in Joe, was talking very angry, but very angry. She stomped her foot and said, Ah, ze brutal beasts! the robin repeated the english word with great care and a distinctness which would have been laughable under any other circumstances but nobody felt very much like laughing just then geisla would you ring for marie asked miss Bettany. geisla rang and presently marie appeared At first, when she was questioned, she declared that she had no idea as to what the two missing children could have been talking about. She was very angry with Egan, for he should have been in the kitchen helping her, and she had seen nothing of him all that morning. Then, after a little more arguing with her headmistress, she suddenly remembered that the dog of the neighborhood of theirs had had a little pup. "'and she had heard that the little things were to be drowned that day. "'If that is what Egan was telling Joey,' said Miss Bettany with great decision, "'then that's where she is.' "'But she had no right to go off without telling me.' "'Then a sudden thought struck her. "'It is that beautiful St. Bernard dog?' "'Yes,' said Marie. "'They are too poor to keep the pups.' and they eat much and indeed they spoke of shooting zita oh what a shame the bettonies all adored animals and the same spirit which must have sent joey off into the attempt to save the puppies boiled up in her sister now poor zita if they can't afford to keep her why don't they sell her to someone who can marie stood respectfully silent it was not for her to speak. But she thought that if madame had seven children to clothe and feed and a husband who could earn money only during the summer, since he was a cowherder, she would not have been so indignant over the proposed shooting of a mere big dog who ate far too much than she ought to do. Of course, if the pups had arrived during the tourist season, they would most likely have been sold. In which case, there would have been plenty to buy food for, but Zita had not done that was expected of her, and so they must go, and that was a matter of course. Madge looked up, guessed what was passing through the girl's mind. Are they very poor, Marie? she asked gently. They can live, mon frulein, replied Marie dryly. A wild shriek of Joey, Joey broke through the conversation, and Madge, running to the window, beheld her smaller sister and Egan racing madly along. Egan looked much as usual, but Joey was a sight to behold. She was soaking, and her hair was on end. Her face was splashed with mud. Her gym tunic was torn so that a great triangular piece hung down in front. She was crying, too. An unusual thing for her, and in her arms, was a soft little roly-poly ball, which she cuddled to her. Leaving the people in the study to do as they chose, Madge fled to the door and caught the child in her arms. "'Joey, how could you?' she cried reproachfully. "'Oh, Madge! Oh, Madge!' sobbed Joey exhaustedly. "'I could only save him. The rest were all drowned.' oh madge such little young things but i pulled him out and saved him and oh the poor old mother if you'd seen her eyes oh i can keep him can't i she thrust the little wet bundle against her sister he's such a baby hush joey don't cry so darling yes of course you shall keep him Egan, Go and change at once, and tell Marie to give you some hot coffee. Come, Joey, come and have a bath. An hour later, Joey, cleansed, and in her right mind, went with her possessions, cuddled up in her, told her story to an attentive audience. Egan had told her about the two-week-old pups and their destiny, and she had torn off with him as soon as the prayers were over. They had arrived too late to do anything but save this last pup, even though they had scrambled over the rocks and threw thorns to do it. Joey clutched the poor baby to her. Had harangued the man fiercely in a mixture of French, German, and English, which, luckily, he had not understood. She had cried all the way home over the memory of poor Zita's frantic grief And Egan had cried, too, mainly out of sympathy, Madge suspected. "'I can keep him, can't I?' wound up Joey passionately. "'Yes, you may keep him,' said her sister. "'He must go back to his mother for a few weeks, and I will pay for him so that they can keep her. I'm going now and see about it. If things are very bad, Zita had better come here for the present. We can feed her better than they can.' "'I imagine that will be my birthday present to you, Joey. "'Until I come back, you can give him some warm milk and water with very little sugar in it.' "'She set off, and on reaching the little hut found that things were as Marie had said. "'The people had enough to do to feed themselves, "'and there was no margin for keeping such a large animal as Zita. The herdsman at once fell in with her suggestion, and the poor brute should go to the chalet for the winter. He also agreed to accept some money for the pup, and his wife wept for joy with the kroner notes were laid on the table. The money would make all the difference to them. Then Zita was unchained and handed over to her temporary owner, and Madge arrived back at the chalet with her. Joy of the poor mother over her restored baby made Joey cry again. Zita washed her puppy thoroughly and then lay down with him, snuggled up to her, thumping the floor enthusiastically with her big tail and looking her gratitude out of her pathetic eyes towards Joey. She had reached a dog paradise for the first time in month. She had a good meal. She was in a warm place with plenty of fresh, sweet hay for her bed, and she had got back one of her babies that she thought she would never see again. What more could a sensible dog ask? I shall call him Rufus, said Joey, as she reluctantly shut the door of the shed where they were going to keep the dogs. I love him. He's the nicest birthday present I ever had. CHAPTER Eight the new singing master. Having distinguished herself by scaring everybody and rescuing Rufus from a watery grave, and Zita from an untimely end, Joey lay low for a while. As a matter of fact, nobody did anything specially striking for the next week or two. Little things such as Amy Stevens tilting her chair over backwards, doing mitigens, and or Grizel Cochrane handing in her diary instead of her composition book, not being sufficiently important to count. True, Grizel was fearfully teased over her exploits, but that was to be expected. Things jogged along very comfortably and quietly till one break when Margia Stevens who had been having a music lessons with Hare and Cyril, the master who came up twice a week from Sparts, rushed into the little form room where the middles were, obviously bursting with news. "'Guess what?' "'What is it to do with this?' said Rosalie Dean ungrammatically. "'Oh, school, of course. Go on. Give you three guesses.' "'We're going to the Theatre of Innsbruck,' suggested Joey. "'No!' "'Madame has arranged for a dance on Saturday,' volunteered Frida. "'No, no, nothing like that. "'One more guess I give you. "'Someone has given us more new books for the library.' "'This was Simone's idea. "'No, no, not at all.' "'Then what is it, please?' asked Paula. Margia drew a deep breath. "'Where to have a singing-master? He's an Englishman, and—oh, bother! There's the bell for silence!' The others echoed her exclamation. But, as they had had a long lecture, much needed, on the necessity of keeping the few rules of the school only this morning, they dared not speak after the silence bell had gone. In the meantime, mademoiselle and Miss Maynard couldn't imagine— what had happened to make them so stupid this morning? When finally the bell rang and Mademoiselle had left the room, they all thronged round Margia, demanding to know all details of the new singing master. I don't know much, she said, but he's to come live at the Villa Albert for the winter. His sister is with him, and he's very good and awfully keen. "'He wants to teach singing here "'because he likes to have something to do. "'So he came and asked Madame if he might. "'I wonder why he has come,' asked Simon thoughtfully. "'Is he ill, perhaps? "'I wonder what kind of songs he teaches,' asked Joey. "'Let's hope it's not those awful folk songs "'you're forever shrieking,' observed Margia with point. "'I hope it isn't beastly,' "'Tuneless things like the rubbish you play,' said Joey. "'Joe, Betty said Gisela, horrified. "'You must pay a slang fine,' Joe grumbled under her breath. "'But after all, as the others assured her, "'when Gisela had gone, she had simply asked for it. "'Topping and ripping and kindred expressions were banned to them. "'But most people were a little lenient about... Their use, but nobody showed any lenience over such words as beastly, and she knew it. The crusade against unpleasant slang was being carried on thoroughly, and already the girls were improving in this diction. Luckily for everyone, the bell rang for Mittagessen at that point, and they all had to stop talking until they were seated at the table. When the meal was over, and before she had grace, "'Miss Betney informed the school of the new arrangements. "'Mr. Denny,' she said, "'is spending the winter here for his health. "'He is a singing master in England and loves his work. "'So he came to see if I would allow him to take you. "'I have agreed, and he is coming this afternoon, "'to have the first classes. "'You will be divided into three divisions, "'as you are for lessons, "'and I hope you will show, Mr. Denny, "'that you can sing.' And also behave well at half-past two, punctually, Mr. Denny came, and the whole school was assembled at his request in the big schoolroom when they were all in their places with Mademoiselle at the piano. Miss Bentney appeared, and following her was one of the weirdest creatures the girls had ever seen. He was tall and gaunt with long brown hair falling wildly into his eyes, and on the wide collars of his shirt his suit was a brown velveteen and he wore an enormous brown bow on his throat there was something untamed about him and his vivid pink and white skin added to his unusual looks these are my girls said miss Betney, with very grave face girls this is mr denny please sing your best for him then she turned and left the room abruptly and mr denny and the school faced each other. "'Will you sit down?' he said in a deep musical voice. They sat down and waited to hear what he would say. He put an arm on the music-stand that had been set on the dais for him, and surveyed them solemnly. "'Years ago,' he began, "'in the time of the Greek music was considered to be one of the necessary foundations of a good education.' Read Plato's Republic, and you will see that it is so. Nowadays, music is not so regarded. In many schools, it is taken as extra. Music! The gift of the gods to this earth! Quite mad, murmured Joey to her next-door neighbor, Simone. Then she stopped, for Mademoiselle was regarding her with a baleful glare. Fortunately, for you girls, your mistress knows better, a lover herself of good music. And I do not speak of the appalling amount of syncopated trash that is flooding the world now. She is resolved to see that your knowledge of the heavenly art shall be full. She is right, very right. More than he is, decided Grizel. he looks absolutely crazy. The lecturer was concluded... I am here to act not as a teacher. I, who am only a learner myself, would not presume that rank. No, but as a guide. I will do my best for you. Will you all please stand and sing to me? The school rose to its feet. Vaguely wondering what it was to sing, Mademoiselle promptly settled that question by playing the opening bars of Where You Walk which had been one of their last-term songs. Those who knew it sang it with all their might, and Mr. Denny listened with a beaming face. "'Excellent!' he said, when it was over. "'But now we will sing a song we can all learn. "'Will you, little maiden, distribute these to your companions?' He held out a sheaf of songs to the robin, who stood who took them and gazed wonderingly at him she didn't understand him at all luckily joey held out her hand for a few and passed them along so the school baby guessed what she what he wanted and gave out the rest in her usual composed little way the girls looked at their copies eagerly they were setting of henry's song of st francis There was a knight of Bethlehem, whose wealth was tears and sorrows. His men at arms were little lambs, his trumpeters were sparrows. His castle was a wooden cross, on which he hung so high. His helmet was a crown of thorns, whose crest did touch the sky. It was new to all of them, even Joey, had never seen it before, Mr. Dinny gave them a minute or two to look it over, and then he tapped on the stand with his baton. If Mademoiselle will be so kind as to give us the keynote, we will begin. Mademoiselle meekly sounded the note, and the school made an effort at humming the air. It was easy to read, and they did it well." Finally, Mr. Denny made them sit down and sang it to them himself in a sweet baritone and with the utmost simplicity, as the music demanded. When it was over, the master looked over at Gisla. "'What do you think of the song?' he demanded embarrassingly. "'It is a beautiful song,' said the head girl thoughtfully. "'Why is it beautiful?' he turned to Joey, who could think of nothing to say, and just gaped at him. Margia answered for her, It is beautiful because the words are simple, and so is the music. Right, he said promptly. We will now sing it again, and then we will turn our attention to another kind of song. Attend, little maidens. They sang it straight through at once, and he nodded with satisfaction. That went well. Now, if the tiny maiden, he indicated Robin again, "'Well, bring me the first song. "'We will ask this next little elf to distribute these.' "'He waved a second bunch of papers at Amy Stevens, "'and presently the girls found themselves looking at another song "'they did not know at all, one entitled Brittany. "'Once again they were given the keynote "'and then had to read the melody. "'This was more difficult than the last, "'though again it was perfectly simple.' the girls liked it. These two songs, both by the same composer and Englishman, who they learned later had fallen in the war, were totally unlike anything they had ever done. They wound up with another song of very much the same type, a Page's Road song, and then the first lesson was over. We will have three divisions next lesson. "'Explained Mr. Denny, tossing back his long hair over his eyes. "'The elder maidens will sing first, then, "'and we will have the little le- lasses, "'and finally our little elves. "'I wish you adieu until then.' "'He bowed deeply to Mademoiselle, "'smiled at the girls, and strode out, "'leaving a gasping clasp behind him. "'Miss Maynard appeared almost at once.' BE QUICK AND TIDY UP THE ROOM, GIRLS, SHE SAID. THEN GO AND GET READY FOR A WALK. NO TALKING UNTIL YOU ARE OUTSIDE. THAT LAST COMMAND WAS A RATHER NECESSARY ONE. THE GIRLS WERE BURSTING TO DISCUSS THEIR NEW MASTER, AND AS HE WAS ONLY IN THE STUDY ACROSS THE PASSAGE, HE WOULD PROBABLY HAVE HEARD EVERY WORD THAT THEY SAID. SO THEY CLEARED THE ROOM, SCRAMBLED INTO THEIR COATS AND HATS WITHOUT A WORD. But once they were safely round the lake, the comments came quick and furious. "'What a weirdo!' exclaimed Grizel. "'He is unusual,' Gisela said hesitatingly. "'I like the songs, though.' "'Yes, so do I. Thank goodness he kept off folk songs.' Joey was too far behind to hear this comment, which was perhaps just as well. She and Simone were chattering in French about Mr. Denny. Simone considered that he looked romantic. He looks crazy, returned Joey briskly. I loathe men who have their hair bobbed. And why couldn't he wear a decent collar and tie like other folks, which put a complete stopper on the one thing Madge had feared when she had finally agreed to letting him have the singing? It was Margia who sealed it. Who was that Greek man he was talking about who said music was an education? She inquired, when they had broken ranks. Plato, replied Joey, why? It would be a jolly good name for him. Don't you think so? Fine, we'll call him that. And Plato, he remained, for then and onward. As the head said, when she came to hear of it, it would be rather difficult to be sentimental over Plato.